Podcast 99, I am Ryan Lichten here with Josh Evans and Parks Miller. This is day one, part five. We're about to watch Corn on the East Stage. It's 9, 10 at night. Go! All right, yeah, I'm fucking so excited for Corn. Uh, we are all very excited. This is uh, not an official mini series within podcast 99 but we're gonna reference episodes like this as the legends of woodstock 99 yeah this is very important to us this, this is, is important yeah and also you know like like we said in the last episode you know we tear a lot of bands apart but some we don't and if you are expecting us to rip a band like corn apart you're listening to the wrong podcast buddy because we're about to give some major corn love yeah here. oh yeah but, but hey before we do that before we do that real quick it's a special occasion. This is our 10th episode. So that, yes. let's give ourselves a pat on the back. Um, you know, Monday or uh, Monday turned to eight ball, if you will. Um, <laughs> we just, we're, a, we're a small, uh, you know, upcoming podcast. And I just want to thank uh, people for listening to it. Yeah, thank all I'm going to give a shout out. Listeners. I'm going to give a shout out to my friend, the, uh, the mayor of East Atlanta, Adam Waldorf, for uh, hey, texting me Sriracha after House every Daddy. episode. Shane a little Daddy. shout out there. I used to sleep yeah. on your couch all the time, homie. Thank you so much. I love you. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah we love you, Adam. We have so and many, Ed, so many people. We got Shane Greenberg in the house. Yeah, it's just Shane. Uh, who, oh man, who else has uh, given uh, un, un, like relentless <laughs> support? Uh, I mean, all the Museum of Death homies. Yeah, yeah, yeah everyone. The the Connollys uh, out there, but yeah, uh, yeah. we got Drive Majesty. Yeah, yeah, you know who, whoever, whoever hey, out there. Yeah, we heard, we heard. Well, yeah, if you tell us, if you tell us that you like us we're gonna mention that shit because yeah. we like support and we like and here's the thing support. is if we have any if you have any friends that are in bands and you guys are on tour and you're driving you know a couple hours at a time listen to the goddamn podcast yeah share oh, that yeah, stuff yeah. share that stuff you know what i mean don't ha don't make this some super cool like oh i just yeah. know about this podcast and no yeah blow us up like woodstock 99 that's what the entire yeah. theme of this is put us on a pepsi will you, bottle you and then afterwards go and listen to corn because That's you are, you guys are lying to <laughs> yourselves. Because you deserve it. You I are almost, lying to yourselves if you don't yeah. think that this is worth talking about. I almost just spit over all of you our did. gear. I saw that. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, all I know right. my friend. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we, we can get on. Thank you so much for the support. Sorry. Yeah. Let's get yes, on with yes. this corn. Episode Let's 10, get heavy. This is a big deal. We, we planned this out specifically so corn would be a landmark episode. Uh, so let's let's get right into it. Unfortunately, folks, this is going to be a very harsh episode of Podcast 99. Uh, we don't necessarily believe in the concept of a trigger warning or anything, but I feel like it's fair to mention that we are going to be using some questionable language, uh, uh, one word in particular that is not very popular, but it's only in reference to the lyrics that Korn wrote and sang. Uh, and it's also it, to tell the story. Yeah, it's, it, it, yes, yeah. There, there's there's no underlying like great. We get to you know fire off all these bad words. It, it's not it's not like that. And also, uh, the gropes at Woodstock '99 and the sexual assaults are reaching their their all time high. Yeah. Uh, the, the, it's it's a very poisonous atmosphere. It's it's a very just 
kind of dark moment in the festival. And we're going to be describing one assault uh, that was claimed to happen, I believe, Spin Magazine. or, or I read it on the AV Club, but it was, yeah. you know, yeah. what, what they did was they compiled writings from different yeah, basically, you know, coverages. And there is one, I mean, yeah. basically, one attack that's yeah. really bad. Basically, what we're this saying is, is, most, is um, this is where most, they first yeah. started being reported, I guess. Yeah. This is where so it goes, is, well, you know, it, to be real, this is where it goes from gropes to rape. Uh, th- yeah, th- this, it, this yeah, is this, where it's it's not like oh like all these dumbasses grabbing titties like this is where it gets really scary. Uh, but it's almost you know it's it's uh, dark and it's very fitting that it would reach that climate during a band like Corn, right? Yeah. It's, you know? it's the most infamous uh, of the sexual assaults. Well, and, uh, that okay, I would say that this and, is the worst. The, the one that we will get to is, is the worst, but Limp Bizkit on, on the next day is generally blamed, you know what I mean, for a lot of that behavior. And most interviews are things you, you always see Limp Bizkit being referenced in relation to these attacks and, and assaults on women. But there's, uh, you know, we said this in, in the first episode, there's so much evidence that that stuff was just happening throughout the entire festival. Not one band started this, but really where the energy changes is during this set, which is corn yes. set. Also, another thing to keep in mind is that resources are now totally depleted. Water is at the the high price of, you know, four to $7, depending on what stand you go to. Um, you, you know what I mean? So all, and that's going to last for the rest of the festival. So now everyone's hungry. They're thirsty. It's been really hot all day and the prices have been hiked. And this is the first day, you know, people budgeted themselves for a three day festival and they already are priced out of being able to enjoy themselves. And you'll actually, we're going to play a little sample because when corn starts their set again, this is on the East stage, the main stage, they have an immense the money crowd. stage, the money stage. Yeah. This it's an immense crowd. It's an ocean of angst. It's, it's Titanic. It's, it's scary, really. It can give you goosebumps. When you watch yeah. the corn set for the first time and they open w- right. with their song Blind. Well, let's not get ahead of ourselves. Yeah, let's yeah, not get right. ahead of ourselves. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, 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 well the reason up. why I want to I, I wanna bring it up is because it, it jump, it goes from zero to, to 100. You know what I mean? But it starts, the, the pay-per-view footage starts with uh, w- with them you know, getting sound checked. But before we can even touch on, on this, we need to know a little bit more about Bakersfield, you know, their golden boys, corn. Yeah, see, th- this is really exciting for me because um, I was pretty young at this point. Like, I think I was, yeah, I think eight eight years old. Um, what are you? De- yeah, oh, what very you? important time in a in a young man. Well, you guys life. are like, what, like ten. You guys are a little older than me. Um, so so I was really into this stuff. Uh, but yeah, Corn Bakersfield, California. Uh, it actually came out of two different bands at the time. Uh, I think around like some late eighties, really right into the early nineties. Uh, you had LAPD and you had Sex Art. And uh, LAPD, not to be confused with the Los Angeles Police Department, but uh, that that actually stood for Love and Peace Dude. Whoa. uh, Woodstock vibes. Like the dude love to the Cactus Jack, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And this was like a funk metal band that consisted of um, Monkey, Fieldy, and Dave Silveria, who were the, you know, original members of Korn, you know? The children uh, of the corn. Yeah, and they took influence from bands like uh, Faith No More, Metallica, and they also were really into Red Hot Chili Peppers. So, you know, being from Bakersfield at that time, like, uh, you know, thrash metal was a big thing. I think death metal was... Had had started in the late or early to mid-80s. Right, well, those are like the underground genres. And stuff like that. Um, So they were trying to do something else with this funky metal thing. And, and, you know, uh, we were talking about the chili peppers in previous episodes, 
I myself, I'm not a big fan. I actually hate Red Hot Chili Peppers, but <laughs> they they really did seem to influence a lot of people, and 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 whether it was metal or or, or you know hip any whatever it was, they, they were highly there's influential. There's influence there, yeah. yeah. And when you say funk metal, especially, the first uh, thing that pops into my head is it, the, is it, the Chili. Peppers, no, absolutely. You know I mean? And yeah. especially you know a lot of these all these bands are from California, so you know like you know out east. As a touring band, you can hit a lot of cities and a lot of places and things like that. But you know, West, you know, it's very, it's very spread apart. Yeah, yeah. local very, scenes are really, small, really yeah. important. Yeah, and and you can actually, you know, back in that time at least, you never really had to tour to get huge yet. You know what I mean? Yeah, Labels yeah. were still taking submissions and still sending people out to cover bands. You yeah, know what I mean? Yeah. And to check stuff out, it wasn't like something like nowadays where you need to plaster yourself all over the fucking internet for years yeah. before even getting like an opening show for a band that is kind of big. Right. You know? Okay. And, uh, you know, at, at the time, like you see, you have Monkey, Fieldy, and Dave from Korn, and, uh, and, but you also have a Head who's, uh, <laughs> he wasn't even in the band at the time. Uh, he wasn't in LAPD at the time. He was actually the, uh, the roadie and guitar tech, but he claims that uh, he didn't really do any of that. He just drank all the beer. I was about to say, how big could they have fucking been at that time as a band called LAPD in Bakersfield where they needed a guitar tech and a yeah. roadie? Like, yeah, are you yeah. kidding me? Who knows? <laughs> like, Who knows? Of course, all he did was drink. He, he was the guy that carried the drums in to get the free pass. But I, I really don't want to spend too much time talking about LAPD or sex art for that matter. Um, so I, I'll go ahead and jump right into sex <laughs> art. You. They were another funk metal band uh, with Jonathan Davis on vocals. And um, originally, Jonathan Davis wasn't a metal guy, which might be a surprise to some people. And, and you know, I remember when I was talking about doing this podcast before we actually started doing it, I was t kind of, because I, I really like corn. <laughs> Big surprise. Great guitar tones and shit, you know. But, but I was kind of explaining how, like, it has this, I don't know, like, no wave. People are, all get all fucking nutty about no wave and all this, you know, James, you know I like James Chance and all that shit and right. Mars and D. But a lot of times it's just, like, wacky crap. <laughs> and uh when it, when it comes to corn i'm like yeah it's the same riffs but it's like in this different they found it, where they belong and then these people you know oh, no you're bullshit i don't think that that they were into that stuff but i'm here to burst your fucking bubble losers because uh <laughs> here okay here's the thing about jonathan davis he wasn't a fan of metal originally he was a huge new wave dude and uh he was really into chicago's wax tracks uh records which uh, they had bands like Ministry, Skinny Puppy, Ogre. He goes on to talk about Psychic TV and Pig Face and all these different bands. Cool stuff. And cool, yeah. And, uh, and I think the, the Fix documentary, which he also... The stuff the hipsters like. Which he also calls out Fred Durst in this. But we'll get to that later. But anyway, but he, he wasn't a metal guy. He was coming from this other thing that... Is actually fucking sick. Right. <laughs> like, I fucking I, I love ministry, dude. I love I love all that stuff. This this but like it makes TV, sense it's though. Amazing. No, yeah. but, but it totally makes sense when you listen to Korn's music. You can hear in in Jonathan Davis's vocals. He has it's this very kind distinctive. Of weird, There's not you can't compare it yeah. to anything that's actually metal. No, right? and he like, has the, he has different ranges and different kind of things that he does. You know what I mean? Where you're like, oh yeah, like you definitely liked Skinny Puppy or you definitely liked, yeah. like these other bands because he does like a well, no, creepy you, voice and he but has you a don't, scream But voice. you don't think that. That's, that's, that's well, the cause thing. Well, because you have, you know, the heavy yeah. shit of corn uh, over that. You know what I mean? Yeah. But when did they even like get big? Like when was corn corn? Okay, so we're talking about sex art. Uh, uh, LAPD went and saw them, I think, and they, they saw Jonathan Davis perform and they were like, we need that guy. We have to get that guy. <laughs> a star is born. 
But Jonathan Davis had just joined that band at the time, so originally he declined the offer. He was like, I, you know, I just joined this band, whatever. But after, uh, you know, they they kept persisting, you know, they they kept pushing it, and eventually he left uh, Sex Art in, I think, 93. And uh, that's when Korn was officially uh, uh, started. And then shortly after that, uh, on October 11th, 1994, Korn released their first album, which is the self-titled album. It came out on Immortal and uh, Epic Records, and it was produced by Ross Robinson. And uh, first of all, great album cover. Yeah. This, well, Korn always like, has really good album yeah, art. That, but, that's one but, thing that's undisputable. As a, as a breakthrough album, especially when, when, you're, when, you're, you know, when, when you think of the content of the music and you think of the sound of it and all that stuff, like this was really the first time anyone had like heard and seen anything like this presented that way. And if you look at the cover, it's a, it's a picture of a little girl on a swing set. And there's a silhouette of a large, tall, like alien-looking man is it the Slender Man? Yeah. No, 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 <laughs> they it's, invented, Corn invented the Slender Man. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it looks like he's either, he either has these really long, like, alien fingers or he's holding, like, horseshoes or something like that. But if you look at the reflection of the little girl, like, it almost looks like she's, like, hanging because she's sitting in a swing. So there's, like, all these, you know, it's a, there's it, a lot going on. It's, it's, a, it's, it's twisted, it, man. It's very twisted. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> twisted is going to be one of, like, the main. Uh, we're gonna words. say twisted a lot. We're gonna say it. twisted a whole shit and ton. Inside. And we're gonna say the word inside. Yeah, because like he's we'll, we'll, a, we'll, we'll talk about that. Yeah, 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 yeah. We'll, we'll, <laughs> okay, yeah, yeah. I don't want to bust the uh, twisted load. Yeah, yeah, we'll yeah. get there. But the first single on this album was Blind, and it, uh, it charted at number 15 on the Canadian Alternative 30. And the <laughs> album peaked at number 10 in New Zealand, as well as uh, number 72 on the Billboard 200 in the US. Uh, the album sold. Uh, I think uh, at least 20 or 2.1 million copies in the United States. That's uh, crazy. Because if you listen to that album compared to their later ones, like, but the I, ones I, I, that I don't know. Too- I think that that was maybe over a span of time. I right. Mean, yeah, uh, yeah. 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 You're probably right. Yeah. This yeah. is, yeah. Th- these record sales numbers are like up to date now. But this album is considered uh, to have started the new metal genre, which I think is a safe yes. bet. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I'd say that's, yeah. that's probably. Well, accurate. you could make. Maybe argue with Rage Against the Machine too, but Corn is definitely considered like no, the Godfather. No, see, I, I have see, see when we get Rage, to Rage, I have a whole other thing. So well, let's, let's, yeah, let's Rage keep, is well, like yeah, I don't want to talk about the, the, the rap talk. rock, the rap rock. Yeah, but anyway, um, but yes, new metal is different than rap rock. That's yes, yeah. true. This is a new style of metal music. Yeah, and uh, this this album features classics like the uh, the songs Blind, which um, they open with. Um, clown. Uh, there's a song called Faggot, which we'll talk about uh, later. Spelled with on. an E. Faggot with one G and, and an E. Yeah. So yeah. don't you fucking start judging us. And then, uh, you know, the song Shoots and Ladders was on this album, and that was when the, the bagpipes. I right. Mean, yeah. Jonathan you know, Davis that, plays bagpipes that... on every album. It's like a, a weird staple of corn. It's not something that they've like made a main part of the band, but it is definitely like a highlight or well, something for, that they set aside time with, for with, with every early show. with early corn. It was certainly like a, a, a thing and, 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 <laughs> and it, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't quite, it, it wasn't hammed up too much. I mean, it was, you know, right. But they one, were like, Hey dude, like, yeah, no, you're not going to play bagpipes like all the time. Yeah. So then we have the song daddy, uh, which is a very controversial song. And, uh, I think they've only played this song maybe like once or twice live. It, it, it was one of those things that they did in the studio that was very em- emotional. Like if you've ever heard the song, it comes um, off that way. Like I can't imagine yeah. seeing that live and, and be and, awkward. And it's controversial because a lot of people thought that this is a song that deals with, um, uh, sexual assault against a child. And, uh, 
you know, raping a child or whatever. And uh, being being called daddy and all, like, people thought that Jonathan Davis's dad had actually raped him, which was not true uh, at all. Uh, his dad was actually like a, he was a musician. That's where Jonathan Davis got his inspiration to become an artist or a musician is his dad would tour. And I, th I think that he was into like the Jesus Christ superstar or, or maybe he, he, they like were the very, musical scene, they yeah. were very Christian as a family. I think that might've been like something that Jonathan Davis liked, but I don't think his dad was affiliated with antichrist See, or, 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 right. Or no, yeah. Jesus, Jesus Christ. Christ superstar. We're just so I'm into sorry. new metal right I love, now. It's, yeah, it's I love Manson. So I'm fucking it's so, twisted. Yeah, it's a new I'm metal. Twisted. I'm twisted right now. <laughs> twisted I'm twisted in my thoughts. But, See, I always um, thought that about that, about Jonathan Davis. I always thought that, yeah, like I thought that was his whole dark edge was that he was abused as a kid. I'm actually no. like, well, he yeah, was, had, he was by like a, 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 like a, like a babysitter or something like okay, that. Cause I was about to say like, but his if family he just pulled that out of nowhere. No, no, no. <laughs> his family didn't believe it. That was the thing is it was, it was one, um, one of those classic oh, uh, things. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. We, you know, so he, yeah, so there is darkness in Jonathan David. But yeah. dude, Corn is a dark band. But when if I, you go back and listen to that, that, that song, like it's at the end of the song, like he's like literally crying and like yeah. screaming in the booth. He's the victim. Like he's the victim in the song. It's harsh. And then if you skip ahead on this album, there's like a hidden track and there's like a, like a, like a cassette recording of um, like a married couple like fighting over like a carburetor or some shit like that. <laughs> and it's, it's just listen to the fucking song. <laughs> yeah. Go out there and, and give corn. One, one is, you know, it's, you know, we have these, you know, we're, we're talking about like, like YouTube and like, you know, like all these like trendy videos, like, like reaction videos for daddy are real. <laughs> they have those. Whoa. They, they have, they those? have videos oh where people God. listen to God. the song daddy for the first time and react to it. And everyone's are, First reaction is, um, of course, like, I feel so bad for him. His dad fucking raped him and all this shit. But it's not. It's right. They have yeah. the same reaction anyone would have here. Yeah, that, yeah. But yeah, no. So, yeah. you know, but again, Corn though, they've always been a dark band. Like when I was a kid, yeah, I was really into it. But I always knew like, oh, Corn, like the guys that really like Corn that wear like Corn t-shirts have bunny ear braids and they smoke pot underneath the bridge and they'll hold you up with a knife. My friend fucking Frankie was held up with a knife by a fucking by a guy. a Corn fan? By a, ch a child of the Corn with bunny ear <laughs> braids. And like, but you know, and their lyrics and their sound and everything, their guitar tones, it all gives off that dark fucking it's, feeling like that's it's very 90s it, it, it's, it's very but it's like a nightmare yeah and, and you know what i mean like when i was a kid yeah, like i was almost it, scared of yeah. it but i still liked it you know what i mean and i totally yeah. you know understand that but the thing with them playing at woodstock 99 which we'll talk about with tons of other bands is you know corn these are the outsider guys you know what i mean these were the guys that were bullied and, well, yeah. and, and you know, I mean, fucked with and going now, back going back to what i was saying earlier like jonathan davis was like a new wave kid like in, in high school and shit like he was his favorite band was duran duran and uh, he, <laughs> he would wear like makeup and shit to school and, and you know he was like even the teachers would fuck with me and people would call me faggot and all this stuff and that's you know, we'll that's talk about we'll talk yeah, about the, the song, song later. Comes. Yeah, yeah. But he has a tattoo on his arm that says HIV, because like people would call him faggot. So you have a you have HIV, you, have, you know, all this. So that's crazy. He really had to deal with the, with that. So the corn message like we were talking about ICP in the last episode. Um, it's really easy to kind of uh, get the wrong idea about what they're saying, but when you listen to the to the music, a lot of a lot of the subject matter is about. Um, you know, 
being being fucked with, being bullied, being a victim, yeah, being, being yeah, a victim. Yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Being shat on, yeah. and and that's a major theme of Woodstock '99. Is you know when you see the hordes of people because Corn's crowd, like I said, is an ocean. It's so intimidating. It's so crazy. It's, they, they, they talk about it in, yeah. in interviews, you know, still to this day. And these aren't people that are like, yes, like they're singing my life. I identify with this. Like I'm that kid at my school. No, these are the guys that were like, yeah, like fuck that kid. Like, you yeah. know what I mean? Like they, they totally get the message mixed up and yeah. they're just all about tearing shit apart. You know what I mean? Yeah. But Corn wouldn't have wanted anything to do with most of those people in the crowd because those are the fucking people that they write songs about being tortured by. No, you know uh, what I mean? Man, man. But it's a little more complicated than that because, uh, like, there's a certain there's certain moments where people are singing the words. That's true too. In you unison, can't, you can't deny that. Yeah. So I, I mean, I I agree with what you're saying because I do think that they made music that kind of like from the perspective of a kid who was bullied, and then a lot of their fans maybe were those bullies. But again, the Woodstock '99, it's just so insane because you also you have you have their like hardcore fans, and you can hear that. But then you also are get. I mean. Like the message of their songs, I do think maybe does get lost in the fact that they just made like really like loud, heavy music. Right. And again, um, this is right before the headlining act on day one. This is the heaviest fucking band of yeah, that first day. Yeah. This is the craziest and crowd yeah. that you're going to see on, on day one. Arguably the the biggest band at this point, too. Totally. They, I'm were, on that first they day. were huge. Like, they were yeah. a mainstream popular Definitely. band at this so, moment. Freak on a Leash was like played on TRL. We'll get to that. Um, yeah, yeah. No, no. They I, were huge. I, they were touring for one of their biggest albums yeah. at the time. But here's the thing. So they're set. Well, uh, but I, I want to keep talking a little more about like, because I always like to try to keep it everything before and during 99 right so so there's we have, they have a second album too and uh, that's called life is peachy and it was released on october 15 1996 same label immortal epic records they were able to keep their like creative freedom by signing this label and uh after the success the, the success of their first album they bring back ross robinson to produce uh the album at indigo ranch uh and in malibu which uh that's where they recorded the first album and i have a fun fact about indigo ranch Ross Robinson didn't only produce corn. He also produced Limp Biscuit. Ah. And on uh. <laughs> that's where they recorded a $3 bill y'all. And on that record there's a song called Indigo Flow. Oh, and that's a I reference get, to the studio that that they recorded at. Yeah. Josh, you're teaching me new things. <laughs> the wow. Indigo Flow. It sounds like a weed. So after 2 years of touring <laughs> for their first album relentlessly, it w it was time to get back in the studio and and make another record. Uh and, and I have a funny uh quote from Monkey. He said uh we had creativity built up like blue balls of creativity. <laughs> oh my god. So so they went into the studio for uh uh Life is Peachy and and just blew tons of loads. Creativity loads all yeah. over. Yeah, and those those loads turned into a uh, certified gold album on January 8th, 1997, <laughs> and was later certified platinum on December 9th, 1997. Um, and, and following the, su the success of Korn's 1994 uh, debut album, uh, Life is Peachy was certified double platinum on November 10th, 1999. Jeez, so they're yeah. like, yeah, they're like way bigger. See, because I thought... That their next album, the it was a, it was a uh, I would say it was a, a slow boil, right? You but know, again, and, huge because then Follow yeah. the Leader comes out, which what is their third album? 
Yeah, yeah, and that's well, the one that they were touring for when they did '99, even though they were already working on. Yeah, one, well, but. we we have, well, you know, it it, it uh, uh, Life is Peachy uh, debuted and peaked at number three on the Billboard 200, and peaked at uh, number one in New Zealand. Once again, New Zealand New really Zealand. likes corn. <laughs> um, the agro might, but in, it, but in its first week of being re- <laughs> in its first week of being released, the album sold on um, 106 uh, thousand copies. Its first week. Mm-hmm. That's more album, you know. That's it, a lot for for one week. And, and, well, no, yeah, for one week, that's a lot. But, were you know, like eighteen ninety nine, right? And we're yeah. throwing out numbers for these bands selling albums, like oh, eleven million, like two million, blah blah blah. But what people aren't realizing, like, so when we say like, oh, well, in the first week it was one hundred and eight thousand, people are like, oh, well, that's not like that much considering how many other bands, dude. Fuck that shit. How many albums do yeah. you like? People don't sell millions of albums no. anymore. You know, they're lucky if they sell like a thousand. You know what I mean? A couple yeah. thousand. Well, yeah, you have you have Jay Z like pre-selling a million download copies of his album onto Samsung. So, you know, like now people like, because yeah. people want that the late, and it wasn't just Corn or Limp Bizkit, I mean, it was Britney Spears, Backstreet Boys, Dr. Dre. I mean, like, I mean, it, but at that time period, the, the physical CD was being sold for like close to 20 bucks. And when you sell a hundred thousand in a week, I mean, this is an insane amount. I mean, this is right before Napster screws all this right. up. And that's, that's why like now Rihanna will pre-sell she'll sign a contract to pre-sell a million albums because they because they want like artists now i mean not to say that artists now aren't incredibly popular was, was, but is it like a guarantee they almost? want that number they, yeah. they artists now want the numbers of Weird. the late 90s because that was when just you were selling records well also albums sold like when like the certified platinum and stuff the way that used to work it wasn't like oh this many people bought these that's how many were ordered from the label you know what i mean so you might have an album that's just sitting in best buy or whatever but they were ordered so that's money on the table you know what i mean that's another thing that well this is also back when like singles are really like cd singles like like, i I used to love going to like sam goody or camelot and buying a can you imagine you know can you imagine buying a single song on a cd right now are you like, are you uh, kidding I would, me? Like, I would if, you know, if it was cool. Yeah, yeah. But we're music guys and we're, you know, yeah. we've been, you know, we're artists yeah. that need support too. So we understand well, that, but just the general consumer, one fucking song on a fucking no, no, CD. No, yeah. no, but, no, but it wasn't, it wasn't one song. Cause I actually had no, there a was, corn there, there was some, CD yeah, single. All mixed up, and dog. It, yeah. All mixed up. We used up. to listen to that in the van. <laughs> yeah. They would put like weird re, I mean, this is also when like doing re- remixes like they would put w- wait parks like, remixes and like weird b-sides on it wait, so was it that, was like was that cool the one that thing. had jingle balls on it jingle balls so not jingle bells like jingle a christmas balls. song corn <laughs> christmas song uh corn God. has some pretty incredible covers and we're gonna we need to yeah they do some good covers <laughs> unfortunately during yeah. during their but set they, they don't they don't they play, play any any covers. They, they so make some other interesting about. choices, but uh, but yeah. we're we're getting closer to ninety nine here. So um yeah, on this album, Life Is Peachy, uh, we had three singles: uh, No Place to Hide, Adidas, and Good God. Two of which of these songs were played at a uh, Woodstock ninety nine. Uh, I, I think Adidas is a fucking great song. Yeah, yeah, two. It's, like, it's a great party God. song. And yeah, for, yeah, they, for, they had some yeah. jams. Yeah, and for all you hipsters out there, they don't they don't they don't get the fucking joke. This is basically the. Uh, uh, this is like "Lover, I Don't Have to Love" by Bright Eyes for corn. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> like where they wow. just like put like what, like where it's like, yeah, wow. I'm, I'm gonna make. Like, I don't. Well, that, well, that's for that, that's for the you know. <laughs> you're just trying to you're just trying to relate it. You're just trying, yeah, <laughs> but break it down to them. <laughs> yeah, because there's a lot of haters. There, there's Josh. a lot of haters. No corn haters, but I'm telling you right now, I'm seeing. I saw another fucking ad fucking for a new metal night. They, they can't. They can't be. 
bothered I, with this. And I, I'm, no, and I'm I, like, dude, nah, I'm no. telling you, I saw another ad for another new metal night that's coming out. It's coming back around. This might, this, I mean, oh, <laughs> dude, someone just added me on Instagram that does a new metal night. Maybe See? that's it. It's starting to know. happen. Yeah. It's, and you heard it here first at Podcast 99. We've been into new metal before it was cool, when it was cool, and after it wasn't cool. And now we're still into it when it's coming to be cool again. Yeah, you have, <laughs> we're, we are not new metal posers. No, this is this is this is legit. <laughs> yeah, this is legit. This is from the heart. So now we're getting into um, uh, follow the leader, which was their biggest fucking album up to this point. It's their third studio album. Uh, it was released on August eighteenth, nineteen ninety eight. Same label, Immortal Epic. Uh, this was their first album not produced by Ross Robinson. Um, instead, it was produced by uh, Steve Thompson and Toby Wright. And uh, according to Davis, at the time they picked Steve Thompson, uh, they had a lot of people coming in out of the studio because they had already written a lot of this stuff. Uh, they were, you know, they came off this another tour and they were like, you know what? Like we really rushed Life is Peachy. We were really like, we just wanted to, you know, get something out there. And and this is like, a, this Follow the Leader is definitely a shift in sound in terms of like the loud and quiet dynamic that they, I think they wore out right. on the first two well, albums. And also those first, two, those first albums, you can, when they get to follow the leader, you can hear such a difference in production. Totally. Like, I mean, yeah. it's, it's night and day almost. Uh, the, and they how don't, much there's no explanation is, yeah. behind that. They, they, that's where they were going. And, um, I think it's funny that, uh, they ended up, you know, after having all these engineers and producers and people coming in and out of the studio, they ended up settling with this guy, Steve Thompson, only because he brought a case of beer into the studio. <laughs> it doesn't this, take much. And yeah, they, they, they were like really stoked on that. Um, yeah. So, and I, I don't think that he really lasted that long throughout the recording process. I think, um, uh, uh Toby Wright ended up taking, taking the, the reins, reins yeah. and, and kind of going on from there. But, um, the name follow the leader is very interesting too. And I mean, let's go, let's look at, let's think about the cover real quick. Cause when this, um, when this album came out, I was super stoked. You had a, you know, the music videos are really big at this time. Like, right. Lot, Lots like, of money being put into music. TRL, yeah. things like that, whatever. Um, oh, yeah. And then, you know, you had a lot of people that were really kind of, even like bands like Limp Bizkit or whatever, who were really trying to kind of get in on this, this action or whatever. So the name Follow the Leader, I think, was based on the fact that they were the kings of this new genre of music. And they, they say this. They're like, yeah, we kind of knew that we were onto something no one had ever heard, and that's why we called this album "Follow the Leader." So, I, <laughs> so basically, like calling out like all the the bands that came after them in that same vein. It's like, yeah, like follow, yeah, copy us again. Yeah, you, know, you already did. Yeah. Follow the leader. You know, just like yeah, posers. Well, that but that's calling like out that new metal posers, man. That's the hip hop influence of kind of just like, yeah, you just like you got to call people out. Right. Uh, well, so. new metal was a, a pretty gnarly scene. Like there was there was new metal beef. There's you know super violent shows. I mean, it was uh, it's definitely an interesting part of music history that again most people just gloss over. It's not something like when That's people talk about here. the '90s, they're talking about grunge, they're talking about gangster rap, they're talking about you know what I mean, like stuff like that, and like industrial stuff to an extent, like Nine Inch Nails and you know Marilyn Manson music and, and things like that. But like they always leave out the corn, the limp, and yeah, all right. those bands that yeah. were in that group. I mean, new metal is deservedly a terrible genre, but that's not as a whole. If you were to take like a majority of like new metal bands, it's pretty awful. But the whole thing is that the corn where like there is something worth noting, especially like if you're listening to this podcast, like there's something worth mentioning 
in the, the inception of new metal and the band corn. And that's, that's what we're yeah. getting at. Well, the so, album, the album "Follow the Leader" peaked at number one on four different charts. Um, that's, I mean, that's that's mainstream America. Yeah, including you know? uh, the Billboard 200 with a uh, 268 yeah. units sold within the first week. Me being one, units, me being thousand. one of those units. I, I, I thank, <laughs> you thank, are you are a unit. Thanks, thanks to my sister Danielle. Shout out to my sister. She listens to the podcast also. Uh, yeah, I was able to get she my buy that parental advisory. She got sticker. me the parental advisory copy. Yeah, we went to uh, uh may I, I, I think it was Sam Goody in the mall of oh, uh, yeah. the the Georgia Square Mall in Ath in uh, uh Athens, Bogart, Georgia, whatever the fuck you want to <laughs> call it. Bogart, Georgia. See, my dad, I, I wasn't allowed to get most of these CDs unless I got them from Walmart where they were edited. Yeah. You know, because he, you know, he saw the stuff from like the PMRC and like yeah. he was like seeing all the things on the news where it's like you know, school shootings, it's because of this music and yeah. blah, blah, blah. So he was, like, terrified of that. So he's like, no, like, you can't get that. They're going to tell you to kill your parents and stab your dog with a fork, which were the yeah. two things that he always referenced yeah, in music yeah. he wouldn't buy me. Kill your parents, stab your dog with a fork. Okay. He still does okay. that shit. Stabbing with a fork is one of those 90s phrases, just like <laughs> Biscuit and Chainsaw. Just saying Chainsaw. No one talks about chainsaws anymore or as baseball a form of bat. violence. A baseball bat. Stabbing with a fork. It's, 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 it's all in there. Yeah, it's like the bird, you know, stabbing someone with the fork is like giving them the finger. You know, people just don't yeah. do it anymore. But we're talking about a lot of violent stuff. So I, I also what is interesting is like the 90s and this new metal phenomenon is that this is like real. I mean, you had punk music, sure, but you have this new but punk was I mean, punk did get mainstream or like punk punk kind of got like, not like are you stuff. kidding me yeah but, yeah, but not, no, but not like this co-opted into the mainstream right. what do you mean but not like, like on its, but like in its first iteration punk was never mainstream it was more of a freak show but new metal is completely mainstream and it's like i don't know you have to find some sort of weird like significance in society of the fact that like this incredibly like dark and depressing and violent music is popular and it's like mainstream popular. And I don't know. Yeah, we were talking about Columbine earlier where it's just like there's some sort of there is some sort of like weird was, connection a, going on. Yeah, there. like it was the whole decade was kind of like boiling. There was all these well, crazy I mean, things. We're going to we can go back to Manson on this stuff. Well, yeah, don't get me started. Manson, no, 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 all, all this stuff, though. You know what I mean? It's like but corn is in the forefront of this. You know what I mean? Uh, like I said, when I was in school, the kids that were really into corn were like the dark kids, the kids that everyone would make jokes about about them, like you know, flying off the handle and, and shooting up the school and stuff. This is like really incredibly not Woodstock music. Yeah. You know, when we're talking yeah. about 69 vibes and things, there is nothing about corn that is that, you know what but I mean? But when we're talking about the attitude leading up to this festival, I mean, look at the, the album art for follow the leader. It's a bunch of kids playing tick or uh, what's the, what's the game? Hopscotch, uh, hopscotch jumping off a cliff, jumping yeah. off a cliff, you know? Yeah. Uh, Right. That that's yeah. that's a little deeper and, than I think people might think. I mean, it's like a cool Todd McFarlane drawing or whatever, but um I feel like it kind of has this weird uh, right. well, no, attachment the, to the youth or whatever, like True. Yeah, there the, there's dude, okay. Sorry. I'm going to I'm going to fucking just kids. stop everyone real quick because our, our fucking producer Gray actually pulled up a fucking photo that he did not make. Oh, he did, you Aww, did make that just now? Fuck. I thought you found that shit. So he just made a parental advisory sticker that just says, kill your parents, 
stab your dog with a fork and then advisor in the middle. Well, and it's incredible. You're going to be able to buy those from us real soon. That's probably, good. My so. dad won't let me. <laughs> <laughs> I got to go to Walmart, get the one without the stab your dog. Okay. But yeah, but yeah but I'm going to finish up a little bit about, um, um, follow the leader, uh, which was the band's most commercially successful album. As we've been saying, uh, five times platinum, by the way, uh, we, we got singles like got the life freak on a leash, uh, both charted on more than three charts, and their music videos are considered to be the first uh, music videos retired from MTV. Uh, wow. Most notably, uh, the MTV show Total Request Live. So at one point, they were like, this isn't fair for everyone else. Right. <laughs> you know, like, well, dude, and We're showing their videos every fucking day, and if, if we have to, let's talk about those videos, because... The freak on a leash video with the bullet that right. travels throughout the whole. Thing. Oh yeah, that innovative. is innovative. Well, no, it's innovative and iconic I don't think '90s music. The video. cool thing about music videos and the cool thing about TRL in some instances, the freak on a leash video being one of them, is that people weren't necessarily like, "Oh my god, I love that song. I got to hear that song." And they were like, "Dude, that video is that fucking video is crazy." Sick. And that was yeah. the power of music videos. You know, what yeah. I mean, you don't see that now because music videos now are made to just be like a, a supplement to an online release or, yeah. or, or like where artists yeah. can make money wearing beats headphones or something. You know what I mean? It's not uh, a thing where it's like there's real artistic integrity going into it. Yeah. Them. Now music videos are something that independent labels uh, make bands waste. Uh, yeah. you know, they're like, Oh, we'll give you two grand for a video. And it's like, well, we don't want a video, but you're, you know, it's like, give that to us to make music and yeah, do whatever. It, yeah. Unless you're okay. Go, your fuck. music video ain't going to go viral. Yeah. Like, yeah. That's just like how, how it's, how it's going to go. Is the land, but this is this actually is pretty land crazy. Of the $20 though. CD. And this is the land of the million dollar music video. This that's, is crazy. This is 1999. I got some new info about the video. Forgot the life. They had a lot of uh, cameos on this video, right? They had a lot of people in the video, whatever. Um, monkey, told this story in this interview that I was watching where he says that uh, some kid came up to him with his demo tape and he was like, I'm a rapper. Listen to my demo tape. And he was like, wasted. And he was like, I just play guitar. I don't like, I don't know about this shit. That ended up being Eminem. So Eminem <laughs> was on the set Forgot the Life, apparently. Just I'm, handing out demos? Handing out demos, man. That's what everyone did in the 90s. Dude, wow. that's... Well, I mean, people still That's do crazy. that now, but, but yeah. it doesn't guys, work. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. But, Unfor but unfortunately, Eminem did not play Woodstock uh, in well, Muted Manson. We got to get to Woodstock. We got to talk about this performance. But we're getting there. Give me a second. God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's like that. Um <laughs> <laughs> and the hits just keep on going, dude. All right, but so. this is like uh, this album was definitely their most uh, debaucherous point in their career when, when it comes to partying, drinking, like and the things. crew phase. Yeah, 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 absolutely. <laughs> and and I have a quote. I I don't want to like tell this story because it's not mine to tell. So I'll leave it up to um, Jonathan Davis. Jonathan, take it away. Oh, yeah, it was just after crazy. that record. I got sober. I yeah. Got I, I love he almost killed himself. Like, I, do, I do love the fact, though, that like so many bands go, oh, it was such a bad time. It's good to see people go, oh my God, we had so we much had, fun. No, it was so much fucking fun. I mean, there's stories from hell. I remember when I did It's On. There was oh, a wow. virtual fucking porno in there. I wouldn't sing. I seriously told Toby, I'm, I'm not singing another note until you give me an eight ball right now. <laughs> Toby, we, Toby, Toby ended up being the, in the producer we'll after the producer. Steve Thompson. And left. he was so pissed off. I'm well, nope. Toby I just sat right, there like yeah. this and... Oh my God, someone brought it in. We started recording it. 
I'm not gonna say who it was, but there was people getting blowjob right behind me. There was girls banging each other in front of me. People getting boned in the closet right behind me. It was just the craziest shit I ever seen in my life. And I sang that song. It's on. I was at home with my wife. And he was yeah. I was by myself. <laughs> He's got an alibi. <laughs> he got his alibi, but it was crazy for me. I was like, Mom, I was at home. Wow. It was a good story though. Blowjobs in the back. Fucking girls fucking banging the, each other. It's like ancient Rome. <laughs> it's literally like ancient Roman times, totally debauched, like the fall of civilization. There's no rules. Yeah. Everyone, Jesus fucking Christ. See, but like that's what rock and roll is all about, man. Well, that's what it was all about. <laughs> that's what it used to be mm. all about. Yeah, exactly. I don't think, you know, the killers are out there yeah. uh, banging people in the studio while they're recording with an eight ball. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know? <laughs> but it, Mumford and Sons, you know, I don't think they're slamming eight balls and fucking No, nah, they're, they're getting kicked out of the Claremont Lounge because the dancers don't know who they are. That was a long time ago, though. <laughs> Parks knows all about that. <laughs> oh, that was Mumford and Sons. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But anyway, so, uh, yeah. Yeah. So this, is, this is definitely the most debaucherous uh, period for this band. And, 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 you know, Jonathan Davis's defense, he did get sober after this album. He'd already had some kids at this point. I think that, uh, I think it really got into his head that he had some good, he had to maintain this whole thing. And uh, they ended up going on to release two other albums, uh, Issues in November of 99 and uh, The Untouchables after that. And again, still, that, that, I think that was when Korn, like at least him as a vocalist, really blossomed. But we're not Wait, talking Josh, about that. Josh, was 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 he sober at Woodstock? I do not know. Well, they had uh, already started okay. writing issues because they played oh, yeah. two songs. So, so, so probably, maybe, so maybe, yeah, maybe. Okay. I, I, and I, he I don't know for sure. Fucking but. commands that shit. So probably, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. But you know, one more thing about the album uh, that's different from the previous albums is uh, all the different like cameo appearances that they you know they had, and uh, they had a uh, Ice Cube, right. An uh, another Woodstock 99. Children of the Corn. Yep. He played Woodstock. Uh, Fred Durst was on the song All in the Family. <laughs> he also played Woodstock. It's like, no I'm, shit. Like, I'm like it's debating like, on like, should we? We'll, we'll, we'll talk no, about the All in the Family no, song during about, the limp. Yeah. I'm on the fence, but it's so good. But yeah. Okay. And but we, we had we had Trey Hartson um, from the far side on the song Camel Tosis. <laughs> and, uh, and, an extra special cameo by uh, Cheech Marin, where they covered the song from. Um, I, I think Nice Dreams was that when they. No, did it's that? Up in Smoke. Yeah, is it, is it, it was up their in first smoke? movie? Yeah, and they still. They, that's where they do the Battle of the Bands. Da -na -na, da -na -na, da -na. Okay. Yeah, yeah, and they Cheech and Chong, like Cheech and Chong, they still do like casino like comedy shows and shit, and they still do that song. And I'm just hoping that at some point, like you know, Corn the Freak on the Leash, what 20th anniversaries. Coming or, up, no, well, the follow the leader, follow the leader, yeah, 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 follow the leader. Sorry, freak on the leash is on yeah. the album, but I'm hoping that they bring out Cheech to perform that song. That would be time. <laughs> that would be time. Uh, and one one last thing, you know, before we get into the set, Corn um, in promotion of this album started their own festival, and this is a whole other thing that you can get into, and that's kind of why I'm bringing this up. Um, the Family Values Tour. Fuck yeah. This shit is gnarly. If you can get your hands on a VHS copy of that tape, please do it because well, you get. They back released multiple ones because that yeah. tour went on for years. But, but the first the one, one, the is first the one, shit. get that tape. You have Ice Cube on tour with them. You have um, Limp Biscuit on tour with them. Is that the one with Ramstein? Ramstein has the oh, most iconic. Yes. Like, am I like amazing performance? If you if you just buy this fucking tape just for <laughs> Ramstein alone. 
You make it sound like it's just laying around like any old store. Like, just go out and buy the tape. No, dude, well, no. it's hard to find. Well, fucking, about, but, well, like Amazon, you know. Don't go looking for it. You know, the the Amazon guy is like, wait, I got to pluck a Family Values VHS tape from fucking 1998. But, the, but the, yeah, Rammstein, Buch Dick. You can't find that uh, that Family Values store performance on YouTube. It's so I tried sick. to find it recently and I can't. But yeah, try to get your hands on a copy of that. That's I mean they were but, they were trying to promote their album that way and um I mean it fucking worked, dude. Family values yeah. tour though, like it was a precursor to Woodstock. That's kind of why I wanted no, to talk about no, it. No, yeah, definitely. Metal. And the thing with Family Values Tour is the people that would go to that were fucking hardcore fans yeah. of all these bands. So those the, crowds are crazy. But I think that they kind of took a little a little bit from um I think Woodstock ninety nine took a little bit from that festival because you had people like ice cube i'd argue that you know know what i mean i feel like there was a what are the biggest concerts going on right now i feel like when they were in their board meeting they were like well what's big right now and i feel like they might have watched the family value store vhs or something (laughs) like just like these big wigs with their scotch like like, oh god well if we got to (laughs) if we have to we'll do it jesus christ so yeah that that's 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 all i got no no yeah for for for, for that man corn man Corn set at Woodstock 99. Yeah, Yeah, Family Values Tour is so extreme, so intense. If you can watch it, if you're familiar with it, you know. And that totally translates into their set at Woodstock 99. Now, at Woodstock, when they played, when you watch this pay-per-view feed of it, it starts with the sound check. And we had mentioned that earlier in the series that some of the bands, you know, you can tell that they were being line checked, which is, a for those of you that aren't music savvy, is a sound check that happens on the fly. So when the band is on stage and set up that's when they check your levels and get you ready to play as opposed mm-hmm. to showing up early and having all that shit done which they do at every fucking festival in the world oh, yeah. but for some reason at the biggest one ever at the time they decided no we'll just fucking wing it <laughs> you know what i mean yeah so you hear the pay-per-view shit yeah. starts with literally the camera is just on the moon because they don't even want to show the stage yet and you hear you know more hi-hat stage right all right, guitars, and, guitars, guitars. Like, it, it's totally bizarre. And there's right. also footage of the crowd during their sound yeah. check right. where people are being crowd yeah. surfed. And there's one in particular where a woman is, like, clutching her breasts. I will use that word in this episode since we're going to be so gnarly later. We're in fear. And she's being... But it's, the band's not playing. There's yes. nothing playing. It's a sound check. And yeah, there's still crowd surfing. I saw a guy surfing. being crowd surfed. He was like, let me down. No, let me down. Like, yeah. He's, like, yeah, getting both, thrown both away from his gonna friends. Start. Like, he's like, my friends. Like, yeah, no phones. Yeah, and the lost in like the missing persons department at Woodstock '99 is a shit show. They show it on the official yeah. DVD and and VHS, and it's literally just hundreds of cardboard box yeah. rips with writing on it. And uh, you know, please call me if you <laughs> yeah. saw me. Hey, John, I lost you at the main <laughs> stage or whatever. And then one stands out on the DVD that you can see so clearly. It says, "Master, meet me at the rave at midnight." <laughs> Which is like, it's killer. Yeah, if you can get a hold of the DVD, you got to see that shit. It's it's amazing. Well, before we get into their set, I want to say one thing. Um, You you know, like you have like your, when you write a set list, you're like, we got to get that one, two punch. We got to come out with this like, Right, it's got to be perfect. Swinging, right? especially at a show like this. Yeah. With corn, I would say they did a one, one, two, three punch. And uh, there's some numerology here. Probably you uh, <laughs> nerds, out there. the Illuminati. Yeah. Let's talk '99. <laughs> so they open up with the song "Blind," which is the first song from their first album, and then they then they go into "Twist," which is the first song from their second album, and then they go into "Chi," second song, second album. Fourth, they got "Got the Life," third song, third album. Whoa! So they came dude. out. They came out 
swinging. And that is how we know that Kennedy was killed by the government. <laughs> yeah. Oh, <laughs> God. Is essentially what I'm getting from that. So, right, they open up with Blind, right? And, and if you know the song, it opens with just the drummer, you know, hitting the ride, kind of just like giving like a, you know, just... Yeah. Right, taking that, taking that simple for a ride, taking us to Rocktown. Yeah. Right, and, and and everyone knows that. Okay, now it's starting. The lights dim, and this crowd is so insane. It's so scary. And then you know the guitar comes in with just a little lick, and everyone starts getting crazier and crazier. Then you hear the bass come, and then the other guitar comes in, and everyone's getting fucking crazier and crazier and crazier, and they can't take it anymore. And then Jonathan Davis comes out on stage, and he goes, "Are you ready?" <laughs> and fucking the place literally explodes. I'm surprised this everyone is, there didn't yeah. die. It's it's so crazy. They're just Jumping like insane. You know you could feel it if you were on the ground there. If you were standing two miles away, you could feel everyone jumping on this shit. The Peace Patrol was probably like, holy shit, I'm quitting yeah, yeah, now. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and the crowd serving stops because everyone's jumping so much. It's literally an ocean. This is hands down the... The I best Most set. iconic performance from Woodstock. I'm, I'm going to say that. Uh, yeah. there, there's, there's, you know... When you look at news stuff or if you go and, and check out the Rolling Stone magazine, you know, article about Woodstock 99 or any of the news, a lot of people don't really talk about corn because the festival didn't break down. It was just like a good set. But if you watch the set, you know that that was the heaviest. I'm going to say the best overall Insane. because it's a comprehensive yeah. set. The energy is held at an all time high the entire time. No one gets tired. No one's setting shit on fire yet. You know what I mean? It's it's it's. It's yeah. what Woodstock 99 should have been remembered for, I, th I think, you know what I mean? Yeah, but except for the sexual assault e Except part. for yeah. the sexual mm. assaults, which are happening at an alarming rate during this entire set, because now it's nighttime. You know, there's only one band on the main stage after Korn, and... The, and this is the heaviest band of probably the whole festival. I mean, you had you had bands like Rage Against the Machine, Metallica played in Limp Bizkit and stuff, but Korn is just so fucking heavy. Yeah, and their sound they didn't do it like Korn. Yeah, no, and you know, right when he starts, the vocals are kind of turned down. There, there's some yeah, sound yeah, issues, yeah. you know what I mean? You can hear the levels jump, like where they're trying to find the proper level for him, but then it clicks, and it's it's amazing. It really it does sound good, and it's one of those like like uh, I feel like the corn sound is is um. Could could be like a studio thing, but they pull it off really well live. Oh, like, like, yes, like wait, especially sorry, with the guitars gotta, yeah. and, and, and things so like that. So to like, bring it back to the offspring, because <laughs> because here's the thing. No. You get such a variety of sonic fidelity between sets. And so the thing is, is I am convinced that because of these bands to be playing at this level, they had to have had like a touring sound tech yeah. crew with them. So just to go back to offspring. Their, I think it was their crew that made them sound so bad. Hey, because what do we do with to, all these controls? Because when you listen to Corn, yeah, it knows? sounds yeah. good, and their crew is dedicated. Right. That's all. No, yeah, definitely. And also, an interesting thing that happens, you know, we talked about the song Breaking, but the, that sound check, when they're checking it, you can hear this chant from the crowd because like we said well, not not even corn dude like because we said that the resources were running at all time low the showers are broken water is jacked up in price you hear this chant for water and you can hear it clear as day water water and we're gonna we're gonna take a listen to that right now just so you get like the crowd is unruly and they're about to listen to corn it, it's crazy you're fine on that Yes. 
Guitars, 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 guitars. Dave Lee, go. Yeah, you know, they're, they're unruly. They're unruly for, the, for that shit. And the Peace Patrol, some of them have hoses and shit. But the, yeah, they're, they're more excited for the, you know, at the prospect of getting water than they are to see this huge band that they're all fucking excited yeah. for. But, you know, but back to when they're playing. So, so they play their opening song. They're playing blind. And there's one part where the music cuts out and it's just the singing. And Jonathan Davis doesn't sing. He holds the mic out to the crowd. And you hear like over 100,000 people, 200,000 people scream these lyrics Proving Parks' point that yes, th there were many, many, yeah. many corn yeah. fans I think in he the says, house. Wondering if I should die. Is, is, if yeah, I, I think die. that's the yeah, dude. That's yeah. the that's the setting. Everyone was <laughs> yeah. feeling that. You know what I mean? Lots of people knew the lyrics. That they keep going through their set. Uh, it's so high energy the entire time that it's like every single song they play is their first song. What what's the the, the next one they play after Blind? They do uh, what? They do twist. twist. They do twist, yeah, and, yeah. Then, and then after that one is chi is chi, which I think is another chi. word for like some hippie shit that like body energy or some, I don't, I don't fucking know. <laughs> I thought you were going to say, which is like another word for meth, you know, but uh, <laughs> I, I wish. Yeah. <laughs> I got need that. Spiritual. My chi is all thrown off. T chi. Yeah. Yeah. Who, knows? <laughs> yeah who, who fucking knows? And then they do what got the life is after that. Yeah. 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 Third song, third, third album. And that song yeah. kind of breaks away because already, you know, one of the yeah. things Jonathan Davis is known for vocally is doing these weird kind of tribal chants. Yeah. And there's a few songs where he has them. And already in the set, he's done one where it's just like this guttural, like, oh, dude, <laughs> twist. Yeah. yeah. And he does that shit. He's going to do it more times. Got the Life really kind of breaks away from the normal corn stuff because it's got like a dance beat. Like disco the, beat, yeah. You know, yeah. Disco. It's got the disco beat and, it, and it's really, you know, upbeat and I got the life, you know, and everyone's going crazy. And then after that, it goes right back to just fucking tear everyone the fuck apart. And uh, yes. one of the things I was reading about the corn set was that it's estimated that one person was taken to the medic tent every 20 seconds of their set where did you where is that it, that was in that av club coverage you know and but that's not like because people were getting you know their limbs ripped off yeah, or were getting yeah. killed no yeah. it's just like you know broken wrists or you know just getting pat heat exhaustion like you know shit like that yeah. shit where they just needed to get yeah. out of the crowd and the only way to do it was to have security physically you know remove them so the corn Yikes. set is so chaotic it's so intense and it's so fucking heavy and everyone's getting hurt and as you see, you know, in the pay-per-view footage, when women are being crowd surfed, the groping is just so fucking like the only way I can describe it is like it's cannibal scary. Holocaust. You know what I mean? Where, where someone's just disappearing into a crowd of fucking like brutal natives. You know what I mean? That can't think of anything except like the pounding drums of uh, of their spirits. It's yeah. fucking crazy. It, it, these aren't humans at some point. You know what I mean? They, they, but corn the whole time is keeping it together. Like they're in no way inciting shit like this. Even Jonathan Davis's banter is like, 
fuck yeah, like, I want to see you motherfuckers dance. It, there's nothing like, I want to see you fucking guys tear this shit apart. It's very positive. And that's really the only glimmer of uh, 69 yeah. vibes <laughs> that you're going to get. He also says, how many people like to fuck? Yeah, how many people like to fuck? Oh, during Adidas. Yeah, yeah he's, he says that. And uh, during, you know, when they get to freaking Wait, Alicia, he says, I want to, it's Woodstock, motherfuckers. I want to see you get naked. You know what I mean? Let's, so he, let's, they're uh, conscious uh, of, of the Woodstock vibe, but there's just nothing in their music that's delivering that. Wait, but let's play the Adidas clip of him saying how many people like to fuck because the crowd response. Oh, yes. Let's do that. How many people out there like to fuck? The worst part about that is, is he said that over like the best riff. <laughs> that's oh, the worst part about it. it. <laughs> yeah, that's the riff. absolute worst thing. Because that riff that, that no. monkey's playing over there is pretty See, heady. Uh, you know, I, that, I had, that was a double corn. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> God damn, dude, corn inception, cornception. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know. When <laughs> <laughs> The thing, though, you know, that I was just saying about how Jonathan Davis doesn't really egg on the crowd to the point that, say, like a Fred Durst does or something where he's like, hey, I want to see you guys get fucking crazy. Saying shit like that, though, I feel like is like definitely lighting the fire that's going to fuel a lot yes. of the bad things that are going to happen yes. throughout the night. Yeah, because it, keep in it, mind, it, after yeah. the main concert ends, there is a rave that's going to continue until five in the morning. And all these motherfuckers that have these fucking moody blue blue, blue balls yeah. are going to fucking, you know, go to the rave tent with corn rage. And there who fucking knows? Of, yeah. But Adidas is their most like jokey, drugs. like silly. Yeah, like, but these people are taking. Yeah, I know it's yeah. weird. But, but, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, when, but when you watch it, I don't, I, it doesn't. It doesn't feel like a joke when you watch them perform it. It's like yeah, he does like he a jack off motion at, at one point. But but the thing is, oh, and also like let, let me just fuck. say, Corn has multiple members up for best dressed, including <laughs> Jonathan Davis. He's the only front man to have in my dude. You know, head what looks I can really collect. cool. Yeah, head looks really cool. Fucking monkey, monkey looks, looks really cool, cool in like too. a jumpsuit. But Jonathan yeah. Davis is wearing like a custom made studded leather kilt and a yes. custom made fucking studded long sleeve shirt with, of course, Pumas. Pumas. But uh, yeah, which <laughs> Josh uh, has been. Yeah. I'm, has not been wearing, I'm not wearing them today, unfortunately. Yeah, but you got them. <laughs> you got them. But the, the thing is, is when we warned you earlier in the episode that there was a very graphic account of an assault, this happens during corn and we don't know exactly what song happened in, but while we're talking about Jonathan Davis unintentionally inciting this kind of like super masculine, like I need to fuck vibe. There is a story from a reporter that was on the ground that said he was in one of the press towers. So he could, you know, he had a bird's eye view of the crowd and he saw a woman being crowd surfed who then disappeared into a group of men. He then saw completely ripper clothes off and then gang raper, you know, essentially, yeah. you know, one yeah. guy on each arm, yeah. take, one guy on each leg taking turns. And then once they were done, they passed her back up through the crowd and she went to the medic tent. Now there yeah, is only so eight reported sexual assaults during the entire festival, yeah, yeah. whether or not that's one of them. I don't know. Who knows? But, yeah. and I don't even, we can't even say for sure that's that that true. actually that, happened. Yeah, we don't know. Yeah. But yes. that is one of the reports that we found while researching Woodstock 99. Now, we gave you a huge. I want to say that there was only one actual like arrest 
for that. For yes. that. No, that's yeah. true. Yes. Yeah. There, there was the whole only, festival. Yes, yeah. that's true. There was I mean, only but, one actual arrest for a sexual assault the entire festival. But, but I'm going to say, given, the, cir- given the circumstances, given the circumstances and given what the way that you know about how so many rapes are not reported, I'm going to have to say that I personally do believe that this occurred. I definitely believe um, it. But I again, I, I can't happened. say for sure. And so. I won't say like, oh, yeah, that totally happened. But I mean, dude, but, this was a really fucked up yeah. thing that was going on. You know what I mean? I mean and whether but, or not it was is, that bad, but shit like that definitely fucking happened. Dude. I mean, and but this is the 90s. So if to, to get deep for a second, like, you know, now, like the, the narrative is much more like you should believe the person who thinks they were accused. But in the 90s, it was much more like, wow, that you know, that bitch is trying to frame me. And like, that was kind well, of like, also like you're mentality. at Woodstock with your so, top off. Like what would you expect? Yeah. You know, that was definitely yeah, yeah. the attitude she, of the, that. She day, asked you know? for it was definitely like, that was an okay mentality. Just be like, yeah, she was asking for it. So again, yes, we, we, it's, it, it, it's, this it's, unsu- is, it's we're unsubstantiated, getting, we're getting but into the that, shit. That's, that's something that's out there. And we thought yes. it was really important to note because, again, Limp Bizkit on day two gets a lot of the blame for a lot of sexual assaults. But the gnarliest one, the worst one, the most terrifying that I've seen reported well, was the, fir- the during first porn. reported, I the, think, right? The, the first, yeah. really, the first yeah, because people weren't re- yeah, reporting yeah. gropes and stuff. That was. That you know that was well, aired on pay per view. Yeah, you know what I mean. We're still on day one yeah. too. Yeah, yeah. It, the exactly. camera guys are looking for groups. So you know the, yeah. the, the set goes on. Uh, you know, so after we're torn because they're killing it. They're crushing it. Like I mean, we like their music, and so it's just like right. Yeah. So it's 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 a it's a complicated thing. Yeah, but, but I think it's pretty cool too that they 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 uh, they tease um, tracks from the album issues. Um, well, I like when they do that because one of the things you do not see at a concert is when the artist that you just paid to see is like who wants to hear stuff that's coming out or who wants to hear the new shit you're just like god fuck dude no way but when corn says who wants to hear some new shit everyone Everyone goes crazy they can't wait for new corn and they play two songs off of issues but the lyrics aren't the album version and it's almost like jonathan davis is like well you guys play it i'll I'll just work with it whether or not those were first draft lyrics or he's literally just making them up i don't know but like dude i could make corn lyrics because there's two things to keep in mind you need to be twisted and it needs to be inside. And, and, the yeah. word inside is huge <laughs> in new yeah, metal. It has. I am broke inside. Like that's just like some shit that new metal guys say. It's it's crazy. I don't twisted know. Twisted individuals. But he is twisted yeah. inside, man. Like you know. I want to say one thing real quick though uh, about because uh, we're talking about these two songs. Issues came out in, like November of mm-hmm. that year. Yeah, I had a birthday cake with the Issues album cover. Yeah, on. well, they, they did they did a contest uh, for people. They, they you know you. Any fan could submit album art, and that's how they uh, chose uh, the album. There was four. There's four different covers. Right. Yeah. I actually made one of myself, and I I gave it to my <laughs> dad, and I said, "Dad, I want you to send this to this address." I think I thought it was like in like Hit Parade or some some magazine like that or something. And he was like, "Yeah, I got it. I, I'll send it off." And I I remember um, years later. It was, this is around the time I was watching my dad's like anal porn, I think, and. Um, <laughs> Uh, like that your dad was in or like no, that he not, owned? Not, not, not that he was in. Yeah, yeah. But uh, I, I remember finding that envelope with that. Uh, like he never sent it off. Motherfucker. Bitch ass. <laughs> it was special. But here's the crazy thing about that. Okay, so, so yeah, Corn so picked four winners. Yeah, right? they did. For, for, for no, that they shit. did. Dude, that's back in the day where you could release your same album four fucking times and people would buy it four exactly. times it to get geni- all the art. It's genius. They were genius. It's genius. So the the set's Who going on. Who would have thunk now. it? A couple of Bakersfield boys doing all right. <laughs> like you would, 
<laughs> you probably would have heard that. Didn't you? Ugh, God, Dude, I would so love crazy. to. I would love to see the ones that they rejected. If anyone actually submitted artwork to the corn contest, please contact us at podcast ninety nine. Yeah, if you were, if you were rejected, we, we will. We will. Uh, We'll post it. Right. Yeah, so we, those, we, we love you. Right. Yeah. No, it's oh God, it's so good. But then Jonathan Davis, his signature, he comes out uh, during a song with a bagpipe. That, that's something yeah. that's Shoots featured. And ladders. On, yeah, it's, it's featured yeah. on every Shoots album. And There's some bagpipe. And I even Googled last night. I was like, why? I literally typed into Google. Why does Jonathan Davis play the bagpipes? And, <laughs> the, and the answer I got was, it's not just some cool thing that they thought it would be cool. This is like a user-submitted fucking Yahoo answer uh, thing. It's like, no, he's been playing the bagpipes since he was a kid. Look at this picture of him as a child playing it. He's not just trying to be cool. It's not some weird thing. It's like, dude, fucking chill, homie. <laughs> like, we're talking about yeah. bagpipes and corn. <laughs> but how can you be chill with corn? It's true. Yeah, you can't be chill um, with corn. But let's, let's listen to a snip of bagpipes. Bagpipes. I think the only other uh, album I've heard bagpipes on in recent memory is like a Neutral Milk Hotel. <laughs> like no, dude. What? Uh, who else has got bagpipes? <laughs> Those are accordions, dog. Oh, well, guess what? Shows what kind of an indie poser I am, and I'm not ashamed that I don't know that. Like that's not something that bothers me that I didn't know. <laughs> hey, man. But uh, no comment. Right. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. 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 I'm surrounded by uh, Athens, Georgia guys. So the 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 <sighs> thing is, um, when they you know, so they do that song. He does it. He does his bagpipes thing. Then they play "Freak on a Leash," which at the time was their biggest hit ever. And he says, "I think you all know this song." Then the classic riff comes in again. Corn has some of the most legendary guitar tones of all time, in my opinion. And everyone recognizes it instantly. Yes. And he says, I want to see you motherfuckers dance. And everyone's going crazy. And then he does the like, you know, during their bridge, which if you've ever seen anyone do it at karaoke, it's incredible. Uh, We actually just found out that our very own Josh Evans is very good at doing an impression of yeah, step up yeah <laughs> yeah maybe, maybe at our first live that's event own, we'll have a yeah, that's we'll have its a own patreon corn contest you know where you, if you can out corn josh you can uh you know we'll give you something <laughs> but uh i'll give you a knuckle sandwich right so 
you know, we keep talking about how big the crowd is, you know, we keep talking about how crazy everything is and how, how intense it all is. We actually, I, I found this interview with Jonathan Davis taken, you know, and also one with Fieldy, their bassist, taken years after Woodstock. We're talking over 10 years after when they're asked about it and, and they talk about their memories of it. And this is kind of a really important thing to consider when you're talking about the bands that played because from an audience perspective and from an outsider perspective, this shit's crazy. It went wrong, all that shit. But to a band that got to play this, it's the best thing that ever happened to them. So let's take a look. You know, I want to hear what Jonathan Davis and Fieldy both have to say about their time at Woodstock 99. It was crazy. I think it was the greatest show we ever played and are ever going to play. It was just amazing to play in front of 400,000 plus people and them all get it and be right there with us and feel what we were doing. It was amazing to see people jump into music and because there's so many people seeing how the sound travels, seeing the waves as people jumping, and it was just ridiculous. Woodstock 99 was unforgettable. That was a pretty big moment. That was, a, that was the biggest moment in our career because it was so intense. Never done anything like that before. Still haven't. When he says the way that the sound was coming back, like the waves of people, everyone jumping, that's something that I never considered before. Like, yes, you're, you're going to sound different when there's you know, 300, 400,000 people jumping in unison, it's going to bounce back. And I can only imagine like that being the weirdest thing to have to get used to really fucking fast. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah. you never, but family values tour though was in arenas too. So they probably had some experience with that, but this nah, is not, not, but not in like arenas. That. And in yeah. arenas space. it's different. Yeah. This is everyone on the same level, yeah. one ocean that you're playing to. Yeah. It's, it's kind of crazy, but I love the fact that even after everything they've done and, and, you know, breaking up and getting back together and placing members and everything, Woodstock 99 is still a cherished fucking memory. You know what I mean? But, uh, Getting to another cherished memory of Woodstock 99, Korn has a song that's kind of controversial. It's most of you listening probably don't know about this song, and it's going to become even more controversial. It's really not that controversial. It's not that controversial, but I feel like people are going to have a reaction when we tell them that this song is called Faggot. We already mentioned it in the yeah. episode, but we're, they played it at Woodstock 99. And now in the 90s, you yeah. know, gay rights were, were coming in, into their own. You know, there was still a lot of you know, prejudice and there was still a lot of discrimination and things like that. And, you know, that word was everywhere, you know yeah. what I mean? And, and calling yeah. shit gay, like, oh, that's gay. This is gay. That's gay. That was at its absolute peak in, in 1999. Yes. I want to say like that was a bully's go to two words, yes. no matter what the fuck yes. kind of person you were. Yes. You know yes. what I mean? It and didn't and have that to, song it didn't is have about, to be that. about it wasn't about your sexual preferences. Just being a bully, you would just call someone a faggot. Yeah, yeah, just your so go-to. And, and well, so I John was called that, that shit a shit ton. I'm sure yeah. all of us were called that well, like, shit. Yeah, I do John, think that's what that song yeah. is about, is being bullied and being called a faggot. Right. That's yeah. what Jonathan Davis was kind of talking about. Yeah, it's like him kind of um, taking power from, from the, you know, like, right. I'm, I'm just a faggot. You know, like and, and you know, he has, he has uh, HIV tattooed on his arm um, because of things like that. Um, he uh, he was bullied a lot as a kid. Uh he wore makeup. He was a big Duran Duran fan. He was, you know, into new right. wave. Like he was a freaky kid in Bakersfield. So every, even well, the teachers made fun of but him. But like, dude, so. we can relate to that. Like people, yeah, you know, totally. I, when I was in high school, I was the emo kid. And like, I fucking was called that shit all yeah. goddamn day. And when you hear a song like that, if you experience that, you instantly know what the fuck it's about. Yeah. If you it never did. It has nothing to do with, yeah, it's, it's, it's the, 
It's yeah. Yeah, right. If you if you never experienced that and you didn't know what it was like to be bullied, if you don't know what it's like to be called words like that, then you can totally just write that song off as almost like a fucking anthem of like fucking shit up because you know, we talked about during DMX how there's probably a world record set for the most white people saying the N-word. During porn yeah. set, there yeah. is definitely a fucking record set for the most people screaming the F word in unison. I don't yeah. mean fuck. Right. You know what I'm saying? It's, right. it, it's yeah. crazy. So, and he's like, yeah. you know the words for this? And everyone's just screaming it. But Jonathan Davis, I mean, he's right. really giving it everything on yeah. stage. Yeah. And it's lost and, on the crowd. But yeah, so so the thing is, is like, again, we're using the word. And just just to give a disclaimer, we 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 completely understand how, you know, the 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 context of that word has changed. And but just we want you to know that, like, at this time, this this is what was going on in which like a guy like Jonathan Davis writing a song like this and using that word and being, this is back when you could defend art, you know what I mean? Where you could make art that reflected the actual pain. You didn't have to worry about it. Like hurting other, other people, you know, not to knock anything, but like, dude, like he, that's a brave song. You know what I mean? Like I'm, well, they wanted, they wanted to use a sample, um, from um, Blazing Saddles, I think, I think it was Dom DeLuise. Is that his oh, name? Yeah. Was DeLuise? that for this song or for another song? Uh, no, this was for uh, the song so, uh, "Got the Life," which the Discord yeah, song. But, and right. I think the the, qu- yeah. the the quote or the the clip was uh um what was it? And 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 let's go faggots. Yeah, that's how they envisioned that song, which would have completely like made I kind of the album. Yeah, a I, joke, think it, I, I think it like. might have like taken away a little bit, but for for the fans out there that that like all this nerdy bullshit that we talk about uh maybe you can make your own version of that song where it has the sample from blazing saddles and then you can you can listen to it as it was intended yeah as it was intended because jonathan davis really insisted but warner brothers said absolutely not so right it's it's this is a history podcast and what we're doing is we're letting you know this is this is what was going on there's ugly parts of history but it's important to reference them so yes. that song leads them into their last song of their set, I believe, um, where Jonathan Davis, in, in true 69 spirit, again, a, a, just a glimmer of 69 vibes in their 99 set, he encourages everyone to hold up their lighters. Not too many people did that. Uh, yeah, it, you know, not, not, <laughs> not, not too many people did that shit. Where were they? Yeah, hold your lighters up. Nowadays, everyone does cell phones and, and yeah, blah, yeah. blah, blah, shit like that. But he really wanted the lighter moment. I mean, what? person that starts a band doesn't want a lighter moment you know what i mean yeah. and every i mean you well, see your phone. do you guys remember when uh what was it the limp biscuit and stained it i'm on the outside and there was that there was that version oh that was before, on family he was like, values I'm feeling tour. those lighters that was family that, values tour that was on the family oh, family values damn. tour God. yeah that well, family cir- value well, circle t- yeah yeah we're gonna have to start a whole nother fucking family values uh podcast we'll call oh, it podcast yeah. values or some shit but yeah but uh, <laughs> but the lighter moment you know so crucial so important and another interesting thing to note about the lighter moment is you know of course everyone knows from listening to this podcast that woodstock 99 ends in flames Okay, and just a little side note about the flames. A lot of that is due to the fact that candles were passed out to people to kind of have like a vigil against gun violence. When everyone holds up their lighters for corn, no one sets anything on fire. You know what I mean? There's there's also two more bands that still have to fucking play. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, well, on, yeah, on that but day. they also they also probably didn't even realize that the toilets weren't working. So like, <laughs> I've just been pissing on my feet. <laughs> yeah, I'm not. But I'm not giving too far to walk over there. Yeah, yeah. Fuck yeah. It. yeah. yeah. They were like, I'm gonna take a shower later. Um, and they also also didn't see bush play which would have made me incite a riot 
So as much praise as we're giving to corn, I don't know if we're wrapping this up yet, but I'm going to rip into Bush. Oh, yeah. No, no, no. Yeah, yeah. Because Bush, Bush actually is the headliner Bush of is, day one. Bush is the official headliner of day one. Yeah, we're not done with day one yet. Guys. But we're not. We don't have to go in there yet. We're going to get in there, but we're not going to yet. Right. And so right when corn ends, after the lighter moment, after the song is over, you hear that raspy voice announcer who I spent hours last night trying to fucking find anything on, and I still couldn't. So if you know who uh, that guy is, but he says, you know, give it up for corn. And then corn walks off the stage and probably, you know, does their weird dark corn thing. I, I don't, you know, again, we need more information about the backstage life of Woodstock 99. That's the one thing that we really haven't found too much. Info nah, it on. seemed pretty chill because every, yeah. every post show interview I've seen, it's, I think they just want to get the fuck out of there. I think so too, and I think I a don't lot really of them, get any party vibe well, from any. It was a tour stop too for most yeah, of these yeah, bands, so yeah. they had some place to be. You know what I mean? Yeah, they're like just some get whatever. out. Yeah, right. So we've come to uh, the conclusion of the the legend, the first legends of Woodstock '99 episode here. Corn. Yeah, I wish we could talk so much more about corn. Corn is great, but we have so many more legends yet to come. Uh, and <laughs> the next episode, which will be the final part of our day one coverage or second to final because we will recap everything for you folks at home after that but yeah there's only one more act on the main stage one more act on the west stage two more bands that's it for day one but of course folks don't forget we have day two and day three we need to get through we're going to do it together though i promise you we will be here with you the whole way to hold your hand help you drink that seven dollar water that you got and uh, get you to the medic tent if you broke your wrist during corn Thank you. I don't know your fucking name, so why let's Podcast 99 would like to thank Gray Holger at Contradict Sound for all of his technical support. Without him, all of this would not be possible. If you went to, worked at, or played at Woodstock 99, please contact us at podcast99official at gmail.com or on Instagram at podcast99. Thanks again, and we will see you at Woodstock.